The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Thank you, Jesus. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. So we started a brand new series a few um, weeks ago, four, five weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about as a man thinks in his heart so easy, and that's a direct uh, scripture from Proverbs chapter number 23, verse 7. It says, as he thinks in his heart so easy. And, uh, and we said we, you know, we established this truth building up to today uh, that your life is a, is a manifestation of your dominant thoughts. Uh, uh, what you see happening in and around you is a manifestation of your dominant thoughts. Have you ever heard a statement, uh, hurt people, hurt people? Uh, it's a direct uh, 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 a result of reading this verse. As a man thinks in his heart, if you think hurt, you're going to hurt others. Amen? Loved people will also love others. You know, uh, uh, people who... Uh, have not yet come into full contact uh, to experience uh, the unconditional love of Jesus. Man, they are mean. Some of the holiest people you, you, you meet on the streets who think they can keep uh, all, all, all the Ten Commandments, not just the Ten, the 613. They think they can keep all the 600. And they're just mean people. They cuss in traffic. But as long as you don't catch them, they feel they are all right. But that's not the title of my sermon, okay? <laughs> so we need to come into a full experience of the love of God if we're going to manifest it to others. Why? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so easy. And one of our other foundational scriptures is uh, uh, Romans chapter number 12, verse 2. And what does it say? It says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to prove that which is the good, uh, perfect, and acceptable will of God. That word prove uh, means to experience. That word prove means to manifest for yourself. And so we also see that changing our minds uh, will also help us to experience the will of God. It will also help you to experience the healing of God. It will help you to experience the prosperity of God. It will help you to experience the peace of God. Scripture tells us in Isaiah 26 verse 3 that he shall keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on he. So peace becomes a byproduct of your thinking. Can I get an amen? amen. And so all of these things are really powerful, and we talked about them uh, building up to today. And uh, if you did not get an opportunity to be in any of those services, I highly encourage you to uh, get onto the podcast. You'll be able to uh, catch up with what we are talking about today. So last week, we started a journey talking about Ephesians 4.23. So we learned this, that the Bible says in Romans, uh, we have a mind, amen, 
And uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter number 12, uh, verse 2, that we must be uh, uh, transformed by the renewing of our mind. So your entire mind, that's what he's talking about in Romans uh, chapter number 12, verse 2. And then we discovered this, that Ephesians chapter number 4, uh, verse 23, talks about another dimension of uh, changing our thinking, and it's called uh, being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Amen? And so we established that the spirit of your mind is over here, of, of your mind. Okay? So we have the spirit of your mind, which is also known as your heart, which in other places uh, uh, I like to call the conception chamber. Conception chamber. All right? And so this is your heart. And when scripture says, uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so easy, it's not talking about as a man thinks in his blood pumping organ. It's talking about as a man thinks at the core of his being, when your thinking reaches the conception chamber uh, level of automation, if you're now starting to, uh, uh, you know, when you're pressed, if the first thing that comes out of you is the word of God, then you have renewed the spirit of your mind. Amen? Just like if you squeeze a lemon, what comes out? Lemon juice. If you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Orange juice. If you squeeze a believer, what should come out? Prosperity. I thought I was going to get a better amen. If you squeeze a believer with sickness, what should spring forth? Healing. Not just for themselves, because Jesus said in John 4, life welling up to eternal life, rivers welling up to eternal life will spring forth from those who believe. Amen? Amen. So the enemy should know in his camp that the worst thing you can ever do is to press a believer. Because the harder you press him, the more the good stuff comes out. Man, you press me more, that's when I feel like giving even more. You press me more with sickness, that's when I feel like laying hands on more people who are sick. Amen? Amen. Because what should come out of us is what we've automated here. And we said, uh, but it has to go through your rational mind. Did I spell it right? Is this how you spell rational? Is this how you spell it? Okay. Where's my wife? Rational mind. I'm, 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 I'm concerned about the E. It doesn't have an E, right? Yeah, I'm, I was, you know, I, you know, at least I brought it up. You know what I'm talking about, amen? So your rational mind is over here, which is also known as your conscious. Is that the correct spelling, mom? I got it. Conscious mind, uh, which we also say is the gatekeeper. What else did we say it is? Uh, rational mind is your conscious mind. It is your gatekeeper. So what tends to happen is that when the word of God comes into your life, it goes through your rational mind. It has to be processed in your rational mind first. When a miracle happens, when you have a life experience, it goes through your rational mind first before it reaches the conception chamber. Once it reaches the conception chamber, it becomes a part of your philosophy. It becomes a part of your belief system. It becomes a part of how you answer life questions. Amen? Because we answer life questions from our heart. Amen? It can become a part of your culture. Culture simply means uh, a way of life. And here, we're talking about a kingdom culture. 
Amen? A kingdom culture. So we want the word of God to form a kingdom culture in our lives. So here's what typically happens is that when you show up to a place like this where people believe crazy and they're expecting miracles, man, we're going to lay hands on the sick and then they recover and then we're going to have some of them come up here and share testimony. And so someone is going to get up here and say, you know what? God healed me of an incurable disease. When they say those words, immediately there is a proposition that's happening in your mind, in your rational mind first, to either receive that as a truth that can also apply in your life or to reject that as El Gabbage, better known as garbage. <laughs> Amen? So you can either sit there and say, you know what? They brought their own sick people. <laughs> so what you've just done is you have de-automated, is there a word? De-automated, unautomated. You have literally thrown out and rejected the possibility of you experiencing the very thing that that person is sharing. If someone gets up and they say today, uh, 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 Cliff was talking about experiencing the blessings of God, and they're talking about God prospering you and so on and so forth. And if your rational mind goes to looking at your experience, you know, there's a word that's coming that says God wants to prosper you. Can I get an amen? But immediately as you say amen, your mind is going to start saying, but let's check your metric results. Your rational mind. Before you receive God's proposition, your rational mind is going to kick in. So you need a rational mind that's renewed. A rational mind that says miracles are possible. Today, in 2020, I can still get healed miraculously. Amen? You need a rational mind that will read that scripture over there talking about Moses. It says Moses was 120 years old and his strength was not diminished. His eyesight was, his strength was not abated. His eyesight had not diminished. And you should be able to read that scripture and say, yes, with God it makes sense. Amen? But if your rational mind goes to checking with science, what a 60-year-old person's eyesight should be like, you're going to reject the possibility of experiencing that miracle. Can I get an amen? And so we see a story in Luke chapter number 5. It's very interesting. Two groups of people. We have those who have a rational mind that was not renewed and another group who, who their minds were renewed. So it says in Luke uh, chapter number 5, verse 17, uh, let me read the end of that verse first. Let's read it together. Just the end uh, after Jerusalem. You see there? It starts with the word end. Did you see that? I want us to read it all together. Ready? Read. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Did you read that? Let's read it one more time. Ready? Read. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. It's talking about when Jesus came into the house, he came with his power and it was present to heal them. Just like this room has enough power in his plugs to charge your phone. But how many of you know that the phone is not going to charge by osmosis? You have to line up with the laws of electricity and connect a charger the right amount and you know, send that into your phone. Amen? amen? I said amen. And so the first place was their rational mind. Now watch what had happened uh, before uh, this. It says in the beginning of the verse, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers. Pharisees are known as religious 
uh, uh, teachers of the law and teachers there. That word is also talking about religious teachers of the law who followed Jesus, but they didn't follow him to get a kingdom experience. They followed him to poke holes into his teaching. Yet, the power of God was present to change their situation. And their rational mind had decided before they came to the Jesus meeting that I'm going to show up and criticize. And so none of them got healed. Because their rational mind was fixated on the wrong thing. Amen? Amen. I said amen. Amen. But there were crazy, four other crazy guys, if you continue reading this story. These four dudes knew that Jesus' power was present to heal. And they had a friend who was crippled, lying on a bed on a stretcher. And they decided, you know what, we're going to take him to that place and connect to that power which is present to heal. They showed up and they got to the building and there was a, a, a mob inside the house so they couldn't gain entrance to access Jesus. Because the Pharisees had taken up all the front row seats. I mean, they were sitting in the front row right next to the power. I'm not saying the people in the front row. Right next to the power, they could have literally reached out to Jesus and gotten their situation turned around. But they were not there to receive. They were there to criticize. And these boys came and they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to tear up the roof of this building and we're going to lower our friend and he's going to gain access to this power and he's going to get healed. Why? They were thinking at a completely different level. To them, miracles made sense. To them, someone could be healed instantly and be raised from their deathbed and walk in that very same minute. And because of that, They lived it. They experienced it. They manifested. They connected to the power of God. Amen? 2 Kings chapter number 7. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter number 7. And we're going to read from verse 1 to 2 in the Message Bible. Before I read this, this is an interesting story of uh, 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 Elisha in the city of Samaria. And I mean, crazy things were happening in Samaria. If you read chapter number 6 of 2 Kings, it says uh, the, the, the opposition army had laid siege, the Aram, the king of Aram, he had laid siege around uh, Samaria. And I mean, almost in today's terminology, we would say this, he had uh, uh, surrounded Samaria and put them under sanction. And he put them under financial sanctions. And I mean, nothing could go in and nothing would come out of the city to the point where there was just famine in the city. It was just drought. The economy wasn't working. Things were going crazy. If you read in chapter number 6, it says they were paying 12 shekels or 8 shekels for a, a donkey's head to eat. Not even a cow head, a donkey's head to eat. Amen? It says in the following verses, uh, uh, parents were eating their children. Mothers were eating their children. And so one mother came and and had a proposal for another mother, and they ate uh, her child first. And then when it was their turn to eat the other mom's child, she went and hid the child. And so they went to the king to ask the king if he could settle the issue. I mean, it was crazy things going on in the city. The economy had tanked. Talk about coronavirus. Ain't got nothing at what was going on there. It was crazy. And then the prophet came with God's word in 2 Kings chapter number 7 from verse 1 to 2 in the Message Bible. And Elisha came and he says, listen, God's word. Whose word? I didn't hear that. Notice he didn't say, listen, my opinion. He didn't say, listen, the facts of the economy. 
See, he's going with something that is way more superior than any other source of information. Listen up. God's word. Whose word? word. The famine is over. Wait a minute. (laughs) Elisha, I just ate the brains of a donkey yesterday for dinner. What are you talking about? The famine is over. That's what an unrenewed mind would say. He says, listen up, God's word, the famine is over. Just like God has come to some of you and he said, listen up, I want to prosper you. I want to buy you a big house. Listen up, God's word, I want to heal you instantaneously. To where nothing in your body is missing, nothing is broken. Amen? That little back sore that you have, God wants to take care of that too. You know, there are certain people who have gotten so accustomed to pain, they just want God to deal with the big ones because they feel like if they submit all the things that are are wrong with them, there's going to be a power outage in heaven. (laughs) They get healed and heaven will run out of power. Listen, God wants to take care of every single thing that's broken in your life. He's the God of restoration. See, what I'm doing is I'm working on your rational mind. Now, let me work on your rational mind a little more. Those of you uh, who may have gone through a divorce, God wants to restore you to a new relationship where it's going to be sevenfold better than the previous one. See, now your mind is wrestling with that. Because where you grew up, you were told you only get one chance. Touch is a move. If you mess it up, God is mad at you. Your family is mad at you. You are done. But how many of you know that our God is a God of restoration? Amen? God will restore you. What you need to do is to get your rational mind to start agreeing with the possibilities of God's word. Amen? Amen? Man, we hear stories of restoration, left, right, and saying, I know Dillian is watching. We're going to get her to share her story uh, sometime soon, you know, so you can hear a story of restoration, a story of healing. I mean, we have so many people that are here who can literally share with you the stories of how God came into their lives and turned situations around. Amen? God wants to prosper you. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He wants to bring you up to a place where you just have a peace of God that surpasses all understanding. You're not just continuously bogged down by worry, anxiety, and you just, oh, you can't sleep at night. No, God wants to give you a supernatural peace that goes beyond your understanding. But guess what? Your rational mind has to start, oh, no, this one is going to blow your mind. God wants to work miracles through your hands. That one shook a few people there. Because you thought that that power was strictly restricted to the apostles. In your rational mind, you think miracles can only work when a big shot comes into town and rents a big stadium and when there are many people. We bombard the gates of heaven together. That's not what Jesus said. See how messed up your rational mind is? Jesus said believers shall lay hands on the sick. And what will happen to the sick? You know what Jesus, you know when Jesus said believers, he meant someone could get born again this very minute. And as they walk out of this gate, if they find someone sick, they can lay hands on them and they will recover. 
It's only when they came to church that we started reversing that. We said, ah, but have you gone through the three-month growth track? <laughs> it's only when they came here at church that we started telling him, ah, no, we need to measure the anointing barometer to see where you are. Are you really anointed? It's only at church where we started saying to people, how long did you fast? Jesus never said that. He said the only qualification is to be a believer. He said not only would they lay hands on the sick and the sick recover, he said they will cast out devils. We've even created a special group of people called exorcists who deal with the demonic world. Jesus said someone who's just born again should be able to tell them, Puma, show up and tell them, hey, leave this person alone. Amen? But our rational mind... Religion, all kinds of stuff is entered and just dumped down the things that Jesus has already freely given to us. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. And so, you know, the prophet came and he said, uh, uh, the famine is over. This time tomorrow, food will be plentiful. Did you read that? A handful of meal for a shekel. Two handfuls of grain for a shekel. The market at the city gate will be buzzing. Whose word? God's word. The attendant on whom the king leaned for support said to the holy man, you expect us to believe that? Did you read that? That's what he said. That was his response. You know why? Because in his rational mind, it didn't make sense. Nothing is happening in the economy. We've been eating donkey and children, and now you're telling us that the economy is going to bounce back. You're telling us that things are going to be well with us. You expect us to believe that? Trap doors opening in the sky and food tumbling out? And then, listen to what the prophet said. The prophet said, you will watch it with your own eyes, he said, but you will not eat so much as a mouthful. And, you know, people think that it was the prophet who stopped him from eating. No, it wasn't. It was himself who stopped himself from eating. The grace of God doesn't stop you. The grace of God has already made everything available. We read 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse 3. It says, God, by his divine power, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We read Philemon 1, verse 6. It says, he has given us all things, and we must just acknowledge them. Amen? Grace has made a provision for everything. Grace is like a buffet, free buffet. How many of you like buffet? You know, you walk into a building. It's just food lined up. Anything you want. That's what grace has done. And you know what your part in it is? To at least walk to the table and serve some in your plate. How hard is that? All you have to do is to say, I agree. Not to say, oh, you know, you expect us to believe that. Let's try one more time. God wants to bless you with nice things. Amen. See, you have two options. You can either say you expect us to believe that or I receive that. Amen. God wants me to have nice things. See, because some of you, you've been told you don't deserve nice things long enough and your rational mind has rationalized it and you've turned it into a spiritual truth. You know, so you told these dudes over here that all you want is just a spiritual experience. Just a touch, Lord. All I want is just a touch. Because things are not spiritual after all. In fact, some of you rationalize the idea of God giving you things as, you know, things are not spiritual. But if you read the Bible, you'll realize that, uh, uh, in fact, Hebrews 11 verse 1, what does it say? Faith is the what? The substance of? I didn't hear that. What? And it's talking about things. 
Faith, faith is for things. If you don't like things, then you may not want to do anything with faith. Faith is for stuff. It's for things. It's for nice things. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He said things twice. So faith is for you to at least walk to the buffet table and begin to serve some food into your plate. And so this guy said, do you expect us to believe that? And the prophet said, because you have said those words, you have just stopped yourself from accessing the things that God has already freely given to you. Because God didn't say, go and fight. He said, by, man, how hard, how, how difficult is these words? By this time tomorrow, things are going to change in your life. Man, that's just an awesome, awesome truth from God's word, God's mouth. God is saying things can be turned around in our lives in an instant. Amen? And all we have to do is to agree and say, yes, Lord, this can happen. And so the story goes on. It says, you know, there were four lepers that were outside uh, uh, Samaria. Now, leprosy was an interesting disease back in the day because, I mean, with leprosy, you'd get sores and it would develop into literally limbs falling off. Fingers would fall off from your body. You could, you know, have your eye just fall off. So these four lepers, I don't know what condition they're in, but they are messed up. I mean, the dudes, I mean, you could have uh, uh, had his leg fallen off, toes missing, you know, he's got uh, sores everywhere. And they started having a conversation amongst themselves. They said, why sit here until we die? Because they had already been kicked out, quarantined outside of the city. They were not allowed in Samaria. So they had been kicked out outside the city gates. And uh, now they are sitting outside and they are just starving. And they started talking one to another. They said, why should we continue to sit here until we die? They said, let's do something different. They said, but we have two options. The first one is to go back into Samaria, but if we go back into Samaria, we're going to die with those people. You know, see, when you're making your options, don't join in forces with anyone who's already dying. Amen? They said, no, we're not even going to go back to Samaria. People are dying there. They're hopeless. They're not excited about life. They just, no, we're not going back to Samaria. So they said, what we're going to do is we're going to go to the enemy's camp. At least if we die, we're going to die having fun. It's going to be an adventure. When you die having fun, you get to heaven. They say, how did you die? You said, you know what? We were just sitting outside Samaria and we decided to go fight uh, 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 the enemy. We decided to go fight thousands and thousands of soldiers. And it was just four of us lepers. And people in heaven would be laughing. And be, ah, but at least you are, you are radical. <laughs> then getting to heaven and they say, how did you die? They say, ah, we were just sitting under a tree and we died to death. He's like, ah. <laughs> so you were waiting for it. So they said, we're going to do something different. Amen? If we're going to die, we're going to die having fun. We're going to die doing something with this grace that's available. Amen? Listen up. If I'm going to make a mistake, I'm going to make a mistake obeying God's word. If we're going to miss it, we're going to miss it laying hands on the sick and watching them to see if they recover. See, some of you fail before you even start. I'm trying to get you to be more radical. If someone shows up the next time, they say, I'm not feeling too well. Come on over here. If you're at work, come on over here. Let me show you something. Stand right here. Put your hands up. You must act like you know what you're doing. Put your hands up. You want to get healed? Say, yeah. Okay, I'm going to lay my hands on you, and you're going to get healed. 
You ready to receive? Yeah, I'm ready. Boom. And watch the power of God flow. See, the power of God works with confidence. Amen? You can't now be saying, ah, yeah, but you know, there's this thing that pastor was preaching at church. That, you know, if I'm a believer, then... No, it works with confidence. you got to be confident and convinced in the promises of God. Amen? Get some people to stand behind them. It worked. You know, yes. They might just get hit by the anointing and fall under the anointing. So, yes. Stand behind them. Lay. Their hands and start offering them all the other promises and go, do you speak in tongues? <laughs> so listen, I can get you that too. Amen. Act like you're a child of God. You're not a stranger. You are a son of God. Act like you belong in the house. Act like, see, because what you're offering is everything that's already in the fridge and the pantry. And if you are a son, you can literally offer people things that are in the fridge, knowing that you can just go open the door. Hey, do you want tongues? Yeah, I do. You just go and get some tongues for them and say, hey, there you go. Let's go. See, that's what happens when your rational mind is renewed to sonship. See, we're talking about sonship. Someone shout, I am a son in the house of God. Amen. You're not a stranger. See, I couldn't do that if I came to your house. I couldn't offer people coffee. I couldn't even offer them water. But if, it, if it's at, um, at my house, I can offer them anything. Now, let me tell you, this is God's house and everything that Jesus has already paid for. Not only is it for you, you can also offer it to others. And you better have some confidence while you're doing This is your father's house. His promises are yes and amen. Is this making sense? And so the four lepers decided they're going to go to the enemy's camp. And they started, you know, just walking. I don't know how they were walking. They were probably limping. The other one is on, on a stretcher. And God washed their faith. And he said, you know what? Let's, uh, I think God uh, 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 exponentially multiplied their efforts. Because scripture says in the enemy's camp, they heard a noise as if the uh, king of Samaria had found other allies. And they were now coming against them with thousands upon thousands upon thousands to come and destroy them. So what they could hear from four guys walking. Four guys who, who can't even walk straight, who decided to do something radical in their faith. Can you imagine? Just four guys. One step sounded like thousands of soldiers. Amen? With a hand that's not even straight. Just. That's what they're hearing, right? Four guys. And they start singing. War songs. And you know what happened? The people in that camp ran away and left everything. Go and read it. Second Kings 7. It says they left everything. So these four lepers show up and they see all this goodness. A breakthrough. What happened? And they started, you know, uh, 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 partaking of this goodness overnight. Of this goodness that the Lord, the, the power of God had, had performed through their co cooperation in, by faith, by doing something. And they started realizing, man, this is, the, the, the people left all this stuff for us. And scripture says as they were partaking, they looked at each other and they said, this is not good. That we're just partaking alone. This is too good for just to just enjoy ourselves. And that's what the blessing is for. The blessing is just not for you. 
It is so that you can be a blessing to others. So the four lepers went back to Samaria and they said, come and see what the Lord has done through us. And everybody came and enjoyed. Now watch what it says in um, uh, verse 16. When everybody came, it says uh, in, uh, in, 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 in verse 16, <clears throat> thank you, Jesus, uh, of 2 Kings 7. It says, the people then looted the camp of Aram, food prices dropped. How long? I didn't hear that. Come on, preach with me. This happened overnight. Listen, child of God, God doesn't need a year to turn your situation around. God doesn't need for you to go through. And, you know, if that's where your faith is, praise God for that. But God is not working on your prescription schedule. God is not sitting in heaven thinking, yeah, this thing has to end when this prescription ends in five years' time. This happened overnight. Why? Because for us as New Testament believers, it's already been done at the cross. Jesus already did the hard work. All you and I have to do is to come and say, yes, Lord. How hard is that? Let's try it. Someone say, yes. Yes. Lord. How hard is that? That's all you got to do to start partaking of the promises of God. Jesus already paid for it. All you got to do is just say, yes, Lord. And you don't have to try and uh, 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 theologically analyze it and exegetically look at it. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord. If Jesus said he paid for your peace, what do we say? Yes, Lord. If he says he paid for your prosperity, what do we say? Yes, Lord. If he said he's paid for your healing, what do we say? Yes, Lord. If he says he wants to fill us up with the Holy Ghost, it's also a part of the package. What do we say? Yes, Lord, if he says he wants to work the gifts of the Spirit in us and through us to change people's lives throughout the world, what do we say? Yes, Lord, we don't have to try and understand every single detail of how it works when Jesus has already paid for it for free. Amen? And so they came and looted. Overnight, prices dropped. A handful of meal for a shekel. Two handfuls for a grain of shekel. God's word to the letter. The king ordered his attendant, the one who had leaned on for support to be in charge of the city gate. The people turned into a mob, poured through the gate, trembling him to death. It was exactly what the holy man had said when the king had come to see him. Every word of the holy man to the king, a handful of meal uh, for a shekel, two handfuls for a grain of shekel, this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria. With the attendant's sarcastic reply to the holy man, you expect us to believe that? Trap doors opening in the sky and food tumbling out, followed by the response, you'll watch it with your own eyes, but you won't eat so much as a mouthful. Proved true. The final stroke came when the people trampled the man to death at the city gate. And this man did not participate in the breakthrough that the Lord had brought to the nation of uh, Samaria, and I tell you, brothers and sisters, there are many people that are sitting and watching everything that Jesus uh, has performed for us by grace, and they're still at the stage of analyzing, and they never get to participate. There's no need for you to analyze. Some of them are still trying to figure out how God is going to do it. Some of them are looking at what Jesus paid for, and then they want to uh, 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 add to it. They want to add their bank account to it. And they say, Jesus, plus my bank account, uh, it's not working. No, it's your bank account that's not working. Jesus is always working. Amen? Amen? Amen. 
you get what I'm saying? These things are already paid for. And sometimes it's our thinking that stops us from experiencing these things. Let's go to 2 Corinthians as we close. Let's go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 10. How many of you know that third John 1, 2 says, uh, God says, Beloved, I wish above how many? All things that you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. That phrase, even as your soul prospers, means to the degree that your soul prospers or to the degree that you allow your rational mind to be upgraded to start thinking at the level that God wants to prosper you. And this is where Jesus operated. When there was 5,000 people to be fed, the disciples said, the money that we have, and they had a lot of money, don't get it twisted. The money that they had was a 12 months uh, worth of salary. So I don't know how much you earn, but you can calculate that. That's what they had, the disciples, but it wasn't enough to feed the 5,000. I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. It's still not enough to fulfill God's dream for your life. God's dream for your life is going to take some faith and some, some crazy kind of believing. Amen? Amen? If you keep looking at what you have in your bank account, you're going to limit God. Uh, two years ago, 2018, we brought in uh, Carly and Ashley uh, to design a life. And so when we were bringing them in, uh, you know, we called my, my Ashley because he's the one who does all the itinerary and stuff. So my wife calls Ashley on the phone. He's on speaker. We're sitting on our kitchen table. And uh, we're talking to him about coming to do a designer life. We're talking to uh, Ashley about bringing in Carly. Okay, Ashley is the husband, Carly is the wife. So we're talking to Ashley about bringing in Carly. So, you know, we just want to bring in one person to design a life to be a speaker at our women's conference. You get the picture? And so we're sitting, talking to Ashley. He's on speaker. My wife is talking to him. And uh, Ashley said, hey, we're definitely going to come to South Africa uh, to minister. Uh, Carly is definitely going to come to South Africa to minister, but we usually travel together. Now, in my pastor's head, who is a good steward, uh, I'm already thinking, you know what? The budget for Designer Life was to buy one plane ticket. Now we are buying two. How many of you know that two is more than one? <laughs> Amen. So in my mind, I'm thinking, man, this means we have to get two plane tickets. And immediately, I had the brightest idea you can ever have. Immediately, I was like, oh, no, don't worry. We're going to fix that. You know what we're going to do? We're going to get the cheapest ticket we can ever find uh, from U the U.S. Uh, to South Africa if we have to fly them tr through Saudi Arabia, uh, Iraq, Addis Ababa, Harare, back to England, then Jobek for 200 rand. That's what we're going to do. And then uh, Ashley's PA called back and she said, uh, actually, you don't have to buy the ticket there. We'll buy it over here, and then you just reimburse us. And so my plan was faulted, and it was a direct flight. So they ended up buying a direct flight, 3,500, I think, U.S. dollars uh, that the two tickets cost. When we reimbursed them, wiped everything out of the church account. And now I start giving stick to the Designer Life Committee. You see now, every meeting I'm reminding them, you see what you guys are doing now. And then the Lord said, you know what, bring him. I'm going to pay for it. 
And I said, Lord, you really? He said, yeah, I'm going to pay for it. And we brought them in, had a lecker conference. At the conference, the Lord speaks another word to me, and I confirm it with my wife and my uh, eldership. He said, every a penny that you get uh, from the offering, you must bless Carly and Ashley. And so I come uh, to design a life, and we are sitting in, a, in one of the boardrooms, Pastor Dan's and myself, we're just having lunch, and Marua comes in walking with the two envelopes full of money, and she said, hey, pastors, you won't believe this. This is the biggest offering we've ever received as Faith Hill Church. And I said, oh, by the way, it's not ours. We're supposed to bless Carly and Ashley. That's what the Lord said. And I gave it, we gave it to Carly and Ashley, and we blessed them. Now we're standing there at the end of Designer Life. Sunday came. We had our service here, and the thing is finished. And then now I'm driving Kali and Ashley to the airport, and I'm thinking, Lord, you said you're going to provide. <laughs> now I'm, I'm driving them to the airport. How are you going to provide? How is this going to happen? The Lord said, I'll provide. And we get to the airport. I drop them off. I see them going in. Have you ever seen people going in? You see them just, oh, they're going. And then, you know, those doors at the airport, they close. And then you just kind of sit around to think maybe they're going to come back and, we'll, you know, the Lord is going to use them somehow. And then the traffic officer shows up, hey, Baba, keep it moving. And you reverse and you drive home. And now you're thinking in the, in the you know, Lord, this is your church. And he says, yeah, I know. He says, but you're supposed to take care of it. And he says, yeah, I know. I'm going to take care of it. I got home, and then it turned out when they were at the airport, they got delayed. The flight got delayed, uh, and then they were put up in a, in a hotel uh, in there. And I'm thinking, Lord, this is not working. This is really not working. Now they got delayed. They got put in a hotel, and then the next day, thank God, they managed to board another flight, and they went home. And I kid you not, as they landed, Carly, uh, Ashley picks up the phone, and he calls me. And he says, hey, Tafara, you won't believe what just happened. And I said, what happened? He said, as I landed in Denver, uh, Delta called me. And I said, what did they say? And he said, Del Delta said they're going to uh, 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 give you, uh, uh, give us back all the money, all of it, uh, that we used to buy tickets to come to Johannesburg. And I'm thinking, what? And he said, as soon as that 3500 hits my account, I'm going to send it over to you. And if you know how to do the math, you will know exactly that we brought them in and sent them out for absolutely F-R-Triple-E. The Lord paid for it. Free. Amen? The Lord took care of it. And I could have robbed myself uh, of experiencing a supernatural provision of the Lord by being obsessed by the little that we have in our account. When we decided to let it go, man, God provided for us. And man, that's just the beginning of a relationship. The relationship itself is worth more than the 3500 that Delta gave us. It was through Ashley that we were able to connect with Billy Epperhart, who has become my mentor and who has put thousands of uh, thousands of U.S. dollars in, in Faith Hill Church and in my personal account. You know, when Billy says, Tavara, I want to buy you lunch, he hits you with 2,500 US dollars. You do the math. <laughs> That's the Billy Ebert kind of lunch. Amen. And someone say, I need a mentor like Billy. Someone just, <laughs> just said, oh. Amen. 
Amen. Just last week, you know, I'm just sharing with you this so that you can get a picture of the things that happen when you start having a relationship, a good, healthy relationship with the finances that the Lord brings to your way. Listen, I'm not trying to get any money from you. I'm trying to get money to you by teaching these things. You know, I'm not a sales rep. I don't get, you know, a, a bigger salary because the tithe, the tithes went up. <laughs> I don't work on commission. Amen? And it stays the same. And in fact, the very first thing, Dillian is watching, she can confirm with all of you. The very first thing Dillian called me for a meeting for when she became the uh, pastoral, uh, a financial uh, pastor of this church. She runs all our finances. I don't take a look at what's in the account. I only, the thing, only thing I'm obsessed with is the vision. The first meeting she called me for was she was saying, Pastor, I'm disappointed by how much we are paying you. Yeah. And I said to her, you know what? You ain't paying me. God pays me. And guess what? Every month, just last week, what, did I finish telling you what happened last week? No. Ashley calls me and he says, hey, Tafara, uh, 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 I want to put some money into your account. I said, uh, bruh, I can't receive it right now. You know, I, you know, I just, you know, I don't want you to feel like you're pressured to, you know, do anything for me. I'm good. We're doing well during the Quran. He says, man, I just want to bless you. Won't you let me bless you? And then I said, okay, I'll let you. And he sent me 3,000 U.S. dollars. You do the math. How much is that? Times 15? You, you do the math. Hit my account last week. Called him back. I said, dude, I'm sending this back to you. I don't want it. Just yesterday. Can I tell you what happened yesterday? Loiso Bala calls me in the afternoon. I'm driving off from church, from setting up all these cameras because I like to serve. He said, hey, I'm putting 5,000 rand into your account. Buy lunch. Just money coming. Someone shout, I need those kind of miracles too. You know what happens? You change your rational mind and start expecting them. You take, when, when that money comes, that, that money, it hits my account, let me not lie to you, there's going to be a huge temptation to eat all of it. Because, yeah. I mean, 10% of $3,000 is $300 U.S. dollars. I can buy two pairs of Air Jordan 1 sneakers. <laughs> two of them. But guess what? That's not mine. I, I'm going to send it back to the Lord to keep the flow. You know what I'm saying? You've got to keep the flow. So these things we're sharing with you are going to help you uh, uh, long term. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs 11, 24, there is he uh, uh, that scatters or he that gives liberally, yet they increase. And then there is he who withholds more than his meat and it leads to poverty. That's how we should think in our rational minds. Amen? I said Amen. The reason why I'm sharing with you about how much I receive is because I, 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 I intentionally don't want to share with you about how much I give. Because that would be bragging. Amen? But you've got to start connecting with the flow. And when you do, you create a stream coming straight into your life. And you start seeing financial miracles uh, left, right, and center. Second Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 3. We're going to close uh, uh, real quick. Can I... Just two minutes, two minutes from your time. Just two minutes. Woo, this is good. I'm telling you, I'm enjoying this. Second Corinthians chapter number uh, 
3, let's read from verse 4. It says, for the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into activity, captivity, how many? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. It says you must bring into captivity every thought before you release it uh, into your heart. So here's what happened, man. I may take a little bit of, of your time, but this is very important. When he says take a uh, 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 captive of every thought, he's saying you must arrest that thought before you release it into your heart. Okay? Thoughts must not just have free reign coming from wherever, from the news, from BBC, Fox, uh, CNN, NBC, just coming into your free reign. No, every thought must be captured, analyzed, and then you release it. Have you ever seen cops and robbers? You know, the cops that don't realize, the first thing you do when you see someone who's a suspect is to get them out of the driver's seat and put cuffs on them and then analyze them. And then if they are not the, the suspect, you remove the cuffs and put them back in the... See, if you try to analyze them while they are sitting in the driver's seat with a foot on the accelerator, it may cost you more because they're going to put that foot on the gas, and they're going to take off. And that's what's been happening in some of you's minds. You've been letting thoughts that have no business sitting in the driver's seat. Put the foot in the gas and run into your heart. So when they send out statistics of corona, the corona, I arrest that thought and I analyze it. What is this one meant to do for me? It's meant to discourage me. Then I arrest it and put it in prison. You are not going to have free reign in my heart. But some of you, you let that corona thought sit in the driver's seat with the ignition on. And it takes full reign into your heart. But here, Scripture says in verse 4, The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. So we want to deal with strongholds in about five minutes. Strongholds. Uh, uh, so this is you, right? Let's put some eyes on you and uh, a nose and a nice smile. That's you, right? And scripture says, uh, 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 the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I used to think that strongholds were spiritual entities in the heavenlies. And I remember going, I remember vividly going to an all-night prayer meeting and praying, uh, doing the action of pulling down strongholds and telling everybody, I was leading prayer at that time, that we should pull down strongholds. So we started praying and pulling them down, pull them down. And the Lord stopped me midway uh, uh, through the prayer and he said, Tafara, what are you doing? And I said, Lord... I'm praying. He said, praying, doing what? I said, pulling down strongholds. He said, to where? I said, to here. He said, are you sure you want them there? And I stopped praying that. The word strongholds, when he said to the pulling down of strongholds, the word strongholds literally means castles. It literally means fortresses. Amen? And what tends to happen in our lives over a period of time is that we begin to build 
castles and fortresses in our thinking, watch this now, one brick at a time. You know, they say you never amount to anything. You failed metric, you, you're not doing, you're not going to, yeah, you can't do anything. You know what, the people in your, uh, 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 they, ne- they can never keep a marriage. You know, you're building, you're building a fortress, you see that? You're building a fortress. You'll never get healed, it's incurable. Don't you know that? Let's put a wind on it. Your fortress, right? And when scripture says to the pulling down of strongholds, that word pulling down simply means to the demolishing of strongholds. Because it's the strongholds, these walls, and some people even have the audacity of putting a security guard on their strongholds here. Security guard. To defend their wrong position. It's a stronghold of poverty. People will fight you if you try to tell them that God wants to prosper you. Because it's become a stronghold, it's become a castle, it's become a fortress. You will tell people that God wants to uh, heal you, people will fight you. And they'll come up with all kinds of doctrines. Why? Because they've built a fortress around uh, that truth and they will just never receive it. And what the scripture is saying is we must demolish the strongholds in our thinking. Those are the strongholds we're dealing with. The strongholds are not in the heavenlies. They are in between our ears. And these have been built one brick at a time. Every brick that you accept, that is not in line with God's word is building upon this thing. And some of them is wrong doctrine. Some of them is just conditioning. Some of them is the news. Man, the only thing that should be building anything in your mind is God's word by the renewing of your mind through God's word. And some of them is through friends. You allow friends to literally come with a brick. Some of this is bad uh, uh, social media. You allow people to literally come with a brick and lay it on your head and just say boom on your head. You'll never get healed. And then they put some cement on it and someone else comes and put another one. Boom. You are the one who's going to get fired or whatever. (laughs) And then someone else comes with another one that says, you, boom, God will never restore you. You messed up your previous relationship and because of that, God has marked you. God hasn't marked you, but because these are now castles in your, they are real. And some of them come through statistics. They will say only 5% of people from your neighborhood will ever buy a home. And then they put, what they've done is they've literally come and put a brick, boom, and they're building a castle. The only thing that stops people are these strongholds. That's why scripture says the weapons are for warfare, they're not carnal. The Holy Spirit has the power to literally, you know when we use the word breakthrough, We're talking about strongholds. Breakthroughs don't happen in the atmosphere. They happen in between your ears. When this thing, when the power of God literally cuts through these walls into your heart, that's a breakthrough. Amen. 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 So he says to the demolishing of these strongholds. And I'm telling you, God wants to demolish, demolish some strongholds. Man, we're coming into a new season. We're coming into an end time revival. There's going to be unprecedented prosperity amongst God's children, those who choose to believe him. There's going to be unprecedented miracles happening by the hands of ordinary believers. 
You remember in the, in the early church where guys like Philip, who was an usher, would baptize the Ethiopian eunuch. We're going to have situations where just ushers, just people who, are, who got born again last week will be baptizing presidents of countries. They'll be laying hands on them and releasing the power of God into their lives. You know why? Because when they are a born-again believer, they haven't had enough time to build any of these strongholds. Sometimes the worst strongholds come from religion. Sometimes, and I hate to admit it, but sometimes the worst strongholds come from the church. It's the church that's been telling you you can't do it. When God is saying you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Man, we need to get rid of religious strongholds. It's a new season. It's a new day. And I'm telling you, those who are ready to run will enjoy it. Those who are ready to go for it, man, I'm telling you, those who are ready to let. I remember when we did a divine healing training in this church, my wife were driving home. Uh, uh, she was driving home in front of me, and one of those guys who stand at the roadside was begging for money, he's kind of faking it. The other one who fakes it, you know, the other one. She didn't know the guy is faking it, and she got there. She opened the window. She said, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking for money. She says, why don't you get a job? He says, because I'm crippled. She said, grabbed his hand, be healed in Jesus' name. True story. True story. The guy's like, hey, wait a minute. Now he sees the car. He, he, he goes back. He hides. When he sees the car pulling up, he's like, okay, there goes that crazy woman. I'm, I don't want to get healed. I don't want to get healed. Man, I'm telling you, for this kind of end time harvest, it's going to take people who are like children. Did Jesus say that? He says for you to enter into the kingdom of God, you're going to have to be like a what? Like a child. You know what children do? They believe. Children believe their parents. Sometimes you could be saying some crazy, dumb stuff. But they will look at you and say, wow, I believe that. I remember we're driving, pulling up at my parents' house, old parents' house. And this is a prank that my dad played on me. So I thought it was about time to pass it on to the next generation. So my dad used to work at a chrome smelting company, and at the small, uh, uh, chrome smelting company, they have smoke going up the, 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 the smelters, you know, going into the sky, so you have smoke. And my dad would always tell me, this is where the, the clouds are made. <laughs> so I looked at my girls, and I said, hey, Munesu, Tanaya, look up. They say, what? I said, this is where they make clouds. And they say, Daddy, we believe you. <laughs> That's how we should believe God. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. <music>